0: leaders have been felled and Albion might, just might, be back in the playoff picture. Hello, I'm Johnny Drury and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast, sponsored by Adoption at Heart. It's been a great week and as always, I'm sat the other side of a computer screen from my mate and Baggies correspondent Joe Massey and we'll be looking back on what has been a pretty fruitful seven days for West Brom. Uh, there was a late show against Huddersfield when it looked like Albion were dead and buried and then the runaway leaders came to the Hawthorns and, uh, and Albion downed them. So Joe... How's your week been? Mine's been sensational.
1: (laughs) Sensational, mate. (laughs) Sensational. It's been absolutely sensational. We can't stop saying it, can we? Um, Yeah, I thought it was funny. I can't remember it was when someone yesterday tweeted us saying, have you got any synonyms for sensational? Because we just said it constantly. I played it in the
0: car on the way back from Fulham (laughs) and I was like, we've overcooked this massively. We need some some new superlatives.
1: (laughs) We need to... um... Building our vocabulary, don't we, mate? (laughs) Um, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you very much. I am... Oh, mate. We were were buzzing, weren't we, me and you? Let's be honest. Um, After the game. Um, And during the game, really. We were both on the edge of our seats. It was just because it has been, like, miserable, hasn't it? Like, it's just been... Well, ever since you started, mate, really. (laughs)
0: Cheers, (laughs) pal.
1: That's all right, mate. (laughs) It's been, like, three, four months of, like... It's been awful. Rubbish.
0: I usually tell people not to get overexcited, but just get excited because Albion have been rubbish and now um, they've turned a little bit of a corner. Let's just all get excited.
1: And uh, yeah, just like nice, wasn't it? it's just nice to sit here today. I know it's one win. I know, I know like we, we are getting carried away. We are, we are going a bit over the top. There's no doubt about it for, for one, for one win. But yeah, after what we've been like, we've like been for over the last three months, after watching Albion basically collapse, which is what they did. Um, I think, Back in December, was it mid December? It's so nice, so nice to have had a week where, well, 10 days where a good performance at Hull, very good performance, comfortable win. Um, all right, Huddersfield was not great really for 80 minutes, but then absolutely fantastic comeback. And then obviously Fulham was just incredible. Um, Albion were absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, it's so nice to be doing this today with a bit of a spring in our step. And well, let's be honest, our heads have been down, haven't they, the last. Two months or so.
0: Yeah, I've been worried about you at times, mate. To be honest,
1: but, not as worried um, as I was about you when that game. I like, keep talking about when you just. I like, keep talking
0: no, about. i have had enough. i have had enough. Yeah, I'm back now, mate. I told you, <laughs> I'm up and I'm like a roller coaster in the middle of games.
1: You really are.
0: I am. Yeah, I am. But uh, but yeah, the baggies have uh, have turned things around slightly in the in the last in the last week. Like I said to you in the Stancho, for re- in recent times, you haven't given up on that. Al- we haven't given up on Albion, we Al- but we're just there. Uh, you don't really—not that you don't feel any emotion—that sounds really deep and a bit too far-fetched—but you don't like. I get nervous watching Albion, and I haven't been nervous watching Albion until the last ten minutes of Uddersfield and the whole of the Fulham game. So it's nice yeah. to actually have that feeling back a little bit. I'm sure Albion fans that'll resonate with Albion fans, but but um, but there we go. We're going to talk about all that on today's episode. Um, we'll also come up with some different superlatives apart from sensational to talk about West Brom. Uh, but just first of all, we'll go through a. Uh, a few non-related football uh, football topics. Uh, I know we didn't touch on it last time, Joe. But your big battle with Andy Johnson and the podcast is still going on. Still quite amusing to watch in the in the press room when you're sort of jousting with each other. How uh, what's we'll the sort of update on that? I know uh, I know he's taking it very very seriously. Is Andy Johnson?
1: He's confident. I'm confident. They tried to wheel out the big guns with Dario O'Shea, didn't they? Um, but yeah, i I've got every faith in us, pal. I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to be fine. I'm going looking to get at, a very expensive breakfast bought for me by Andy Johnson. I'm looking forward to it in the summer.
0: <laughs> looking at the statistics, I think we've got nothing to worry about. I think we uh, we'll let him do all the talking. We'll let him do all the talking, won't we? Um, just on Andy Johnson, I don't know if anyone listened to the baggies highlights the other night in the commentary. Thought it was quite amusing that Andy Johnson described Alexandra Mitrovic as a pub striker the other night. <laughs> Did he? Said Albion made him look like a pub striker, which I thought was quite funny. Um, Hilarious. Granted he wasn't very good the other night. you wouldn't have thought he'd scored thirty five goals but um but yeah, that was quite uh particularly amusing uh, just on some other notes, obviously we've got our our fan of the week, which we launched last week. Joe now we all know uh, anyone who listened will know that Joe made the decision endorsed by myself that Mary Wilson is our honorary life member of the uh, fan, of, fan the of the week Everyone's club fighting for second spot if you yeah. like, so fighting for second spot. This week's Fan of the Week, uh, we've had quite a few get in touch, to be honest. I know Joe's had a few, I've had a few, uh, but this one stood out for me and I think it's a great tale and uh, get in touch if you've uh, you've got anything similar. Uh, There's a guy called Clint McCormick who got in touch. He sends a few questions into the Baggies podcast. Um, he just sent this this message in. Pandemic aside, uh, Bristol City away this Saturday will be my 825th West Brom game in a row, home and away in all competitions. I'm not sure anyone has done more consecutively It goes back to Sunderland away in 2003 as the last game I missed. I once started a new job and wasn't allowed time off, so I had to make up an aunt's funeral I I had to go to so I could go to Preston away in midweek with my mates. We lost (laughs) 1-0. That's
1: a great story.
0: It's a fantastic story. Absolute unbelievable commitment. You've gone to... The end of the country and back to support Albion consecutively in a row as well. So hats off to Clint. It'd be interesting to see if anyone else has got anything that can beat that. If, um, if you can have, rival eight, was it 825
1: consecutive? 820.
0: Wins? That'll be Bristol on Saturday. 825 consecutive games. So well done, Clint. Fantastic commitment to the Baggies. If you've uh, if you've got any more, if you well if you've got a story you can rival that, just get in touch. And if you have, want to nominate yourself or, or anyone else for next week's second place fan of the week, Joe. Um, you can get in touch with myself or, or Joe or, uh, or tweet us or if you want to direct message us, direct messages. I hope, um,
1: um, I'm sure, I mean, when you've done 825, I think it's probably a given that he will get to 1,000. I'd imagine, so. fingers crossed, all being well. Like, um, but I hope that Albion do something um,
0: special for him. Yeah. He deserves like a signed shirt with 1,000 on the back or something, doesn't he? Or a plaque. <laughs> I'd want a plaque, I would. I <laughs> want a plaque on the whole thing. If I'd gone to 1,000 consecutive games, I'd want a plaque or even a stand named after me yeah just imagine imagine how much money's been spent on pies and programs it's unbelievable That's, that's an awesome effort yeah well done congratulations Clint on being there Second-placed Fan of the Week this week. Doesn't sound as good as Fan of the Week, does it? 825
1: games, he still gets it. Yeah, it doesn't sound as good. we have to start giving out silver medals, I think.
0: Yeah, we might have to, we might have to. Um, just finally, before we uh, get onto football, which this podcast is all about, I know me and Joe have spoken about this on another note. Um, plenty of baggage broadcast left between now and the end of the season, but when the season ends, we're going to try and get a few guests on, a few ex-Albion players, different guests, people who've been involved in the club I know previously Chris Brunt and James Morrison have had the privilege of being on the baggies broadcast um, but hopefully as the season gets to a close uh, I'm gonna sort of delve into Joe's magic book of baggies contacts try and get some uh, some guests to come on and, and chat Albion with us um, I think there's going to be a few isn't there Joe but if, if any Albion fans they want to tweet us if you've got any suggestions anyone you'd like to hear hear from or ex albion players we'll certainly try our best at, to try and get them on the on the baggies broadcast but hopefully we'll have a few Few former names, won't we, Joe? In the yes, uh, in, in the, the summer future. months,
1: you're you're taking the label there. You're doing really well. So yeah, fingers crossed. Um,
0: I've got every faith in you, mate. I've got one in the bag. I'm not going to let it out, out the cat out of the bag yet. But we've got one in the bag. Hopefully, there'll be uh, there'll be more. Well, there certainly will be more anyway. But um, hopefully, we can uh, can all look forward to that. We've got plenty to do between now and the summer. Starting with what's happened in the last week. We'll get onto football. That's all. We're, that's what we're here for. Um, Huddersfield was fantastic, but we're going to focus on Fulham the leaders came to town i think most people were quite worried that albion might just might get turned over but wasn't the case albion won one nil for me joe that fulham display sort of was was ignited in the last 10 minutes at Udersfield. the atmosphere was superb there albion came back and it just almost rolled into to tuesday night really what what was your sort of what's your overriding emotion a couple of days on
1: yeah i agree with that um I think those Huddersfield ten minutes were a very well. What was it? Was it ten? It was, probably was ten minutes really. When you think of stoppage time added on as well, but I think they were a big, big ten minutes for this group of players in terms of. Let's be honest. We've seen their heads go um, when they've conceded goals um, in on multiple occasions this season. There's some really like obvious examples. Um, Loot away. I'm talking like recent examples. Um, and They were just never, never going to get back in that game once they conceded. Um, Swansea at home, um, just re- re- and the, uh, Steve. It was was it a Swansea at home or come? But Steve Bruce said it's, vis- it's visible, isn't it? Like it, it's, it really is visible how you could see these players sort of heads drop and the performance go, and how much they were struggling once they were one nil down. So to go two nil down um, against. A very good Huddersfield side. Take away everything I've said um, about Huddersfield this season. I hate the term lazy journalism. I hate it. I hate it when people say it. But to be honest, it was a little bit of lazy journalism. <laughs> they have a very good side. Um, Practice what you preach. Um, although, that said, that said, they're actually catchable now. Maybe they aren't that good. Maybe I was right all They lost last night, didn't they? Um I,
0: didn't know I switched off last night, to be honest, mate. I don't know what I was
1: doing. Hang on. We are...
0: That's lazy journalism. Not keeping an eye on the championship scores.
1: We're ten points behind them with a game in hand, catchable. Um, anyway, yeah. So, but yeah, having have really struggled when they've fallen behind. Somehow, somehow, um, they managed to turn it around against Huddersfield. So, look, let's not let's not let's not like like hide away from the fact they got they got lucky. Um, and if we're being honest, they got very lucky. <laughs> and it wasn't a penalty on Alex Mowat, Um one of them, really. I don't think you can really accuse him of diving, per se. Like, I think the boot's high. He's probably scared his face is going to be clattered into. He's gone down. It's not It's not like a swan dive sort of thing. It, you can understand why it's come about. Um, but it is a fortunate penalty. Obviously, Colin Grant, very good penalty records, Gets it back. And then, within, within 60 seconds, Andy Carroll, who, let's be honest, is probably... Well, Andy Carroll is probably the best header of a ball... In my generation, um, certainly when it comes—that's a big call. To, well, he is like cert- certainly in terms of English footballers. I cannot think of a player who can head the ball better than Andy Carroll. I think he is number one. If I was making a machine of footballers, like your perfect player, I would want Andy Carroll's heading ability. Um, and I think pretty much the ball hit him on the side of his head um, for the goal. I mean, because he is that good, then maybe that is what he meant. I mean, I'm am all for it. Would give him the goal like he deserves it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they showed spirit, they showed character. There was an element of fortune about it, but I think they needed... They, the where, where Albion have been with their morale, they, they basically needed an element of fortune. And I think the Hawthorns was bouncing after that. The players could sort of... Maybe the players needed to... I don't know, how to, I'm not being critical of fans at all, because I think the fans absolutely have to support the team in any way they shape, see fit. But there's no doubt that the pressure and the disappointment of how the fans have felt has weighed on, on the players' shoulders, but maybe that was it. So sorry, mate, I just, uh, you're right. Yeah, not the plate over. Yeah. Know, my <laughs> breakfast. Um, wave my hands around,
0: but, um, you're getting very animated, you're getting now, very
1: animated, mate, sat in my kitchen on my own. Um, but yeah, I think they, they felt the support again. They felt the love again, um, which was important. Um, that they realised sort of, Albion fans are fair. Really, they're not just on their backs. Like when they when the team are performing well, and when they're when they're giving them like what they should be giving them, they'll get the support they deserve. So, and then they took that into Fulham, um, um, and they were absolutely sensational. Uh, they're sensational, as we keep saying.
0: That word's banned now. Is that banned? Look, I won't it's use banned. it again. Um, from myself and from you, we both. We I think we both got to take our fair share of flack for that.
1: Um, but I think the. Obviously, the most important thing was the win and the result. And, but I think it was absolutely lovely um, at half time When the score was nil-nil, Albion had failed to score. that They were given a standard ovation off the field because they were that dominant. They were that in control. It really was a brilliant performance. They really did create bundles of chances. Rodak, the Fulham keeper, completely kept them in the half. Um, Albion should have had a penalty this time on though that was a blatant penalty and the ugly could have had another one before that Um, so I think it was really nice that A, the crowd and the players were lifted from Huddersfield and then B, even though Albion didn't score in that first half, that they got the the appreciation of the fans and the fans showed them just how sort of how much they appreciated that first half performance and how much they put in and then I think it was really important that Albion did go on and Maintain that performance level, really. Fulham did get better after the break because they simply couldn't have been any worse, and they are a very good side. The way they move the ball at times is beautiful to watch, really. Um, but it was so important that Albion went on, got the win, um, a thoroughly, thoroughly deserved win. And but one glorious chance for Mitrovic. Um, they didn't create a lot, really. Fulham. They got in dangerous areas. Um, They consistently got in dangerous areas in the second half. But I think overall, Albion coped with their threat very, very well. And Sam Johnson didn't really have a save to make. Not a proper save. So, excellent. Really, really, really pleasing night. It really was.
0: It was, a like you said there, it was a pleasing night. Just not putting a negative on it, just flipping it slightly. Is it quite frustrating that Albion have been able to produce such a good performance against a side who are far and away the best team in this division? Do you know on the back of what we've seen in the last two or three months. It's almost like we got to a point where we were like, this squad's not very good. This squad's just not very good. And we've said it a couple of times, haven't we? But you know it, they what? have got the ability. They've showed that on, on Tuesday evening. It was
1: There was the joy of Fulham. And there was joy. And me and you were giddy afterwards. And it was lovely coming away from watching that performance and seeing Albion produce what they're capable of. And I woke up on Wednesday morning, feeling the same. And then, do you know what? After about an hour of that feeling, it sort of subsided. And all I was thinking was, Valerian Ishmael, you idiot. And the reason why I'm saying that is not to be harsh to him, but Albion basically played foul ball against Fulham.
0: I've got that written down in front of me. I don't know if I put it on your your prepared script this morning, but yeah, the, the early doors of Fulham, even the early doors of the... I first saw this in the second half of Hull when they forced the penalty, when Telegardner Hickman forced the penalty. That tempo early on was, it was like going back to the first six or eight games of the season, wasn't it? Almost.
1: And like, I don't, don't no one quote me on me saying Valerian Ishmael's not it? because I'm saying it in, in tongue in cheek with a smile on my face because what I'm trying to say is, look, you're never going to call it a gay press. It's just the way it goes because you've got Valerian Ishmael, you've got Steve Bruce, and they've come from different. Steve Bruce only managed in England, blah, blah, blah. But, it was a high, high, high press, high press tactic, Steve Bruce employed. And it was, it was literally watching Valable. It was perfect Valable in that first half but in particular. Albion won that game. I can't remember what the possession was at the end of it. with 36% or 38% or whatever. But you would never, ever, ever think on watching the game, they didn't have more of the ball. They controlled every third of the pitch, if you like. They, were, they, 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 they controlled the game from the first minute to the last minute, even if... They had 36%, 38% of the ball. That is Valball. That is exactly what Valball should be. That it, it couldn't like it is literally his blueprint of how you want to play football. But, but it wasn't valable because it wasn't 3-4-3. Three, three. It wasn't vowel because Carlin Grant and Carlin Carlin Carl Grant and Callum Robinson were up front together. It wasn't Valball because we had a midfield three of Alex Murphy, Jake Livermore, Taylor, Garner Hickman. And you just think this is like there's probably an element that Albion could play the way they played so well on Tuesday night because of Ishmael. Because they were so embedded in the principles of pressing high and the fitness that comes with it and the aggression that you need with it and the timing of when to go. There was probably it was probably in their subconscious, a bit of comfort to it, a bit of oh, this is what we were basically indoctrinated in in, in pre-season and how we tried to play the first ten games this season. But the crying shame, the crying shame is that Ishmael would never tweak it. He'd never tweak it to to suit what that game last night, that on Tuesday night. Sorry, so. Everyone listening to this podcast watched and watched and watched as Albion labour to break down teams week after week after week. They dominated them. They they dominated them. They were they squeezed them high up the pitch. They played a lot of football in the opposition's half, but they couldn't. They didn't create an awful lot of chances, clear cut chances, and they didn't score a lot of goals. And now you just look at the way Kyle and Grant and Callum Robinson are combining, and as Steve Bruce has said, they're a natural. They're a natural pair. And personally, I still think the jury's out as to whether they're both central strikers. I still think they've, they've got it all to prove, even though they have done very well in the last three games. But they are, but they are a natural combination. Mm. Carlin Grant does stretch the line. He does want to run in behind. He is a finisher. Colin Robson does want to drop deep. He wants to play shorter. He wants to sort of link play and, and play these three balls. And... There is a natural understanding there, they're, they're, they're really good pals, they, they get on. They, we've seen so many times this season, whether it's under Bruce or whether it was under Ishmael, the two of them linking up um, really, really effectively. Um, and this is, what, this, is why, this is why I'm annoyed with Ishmael, because I truly believe, and I've said this so many times, he's on to something. I really believe Valball is sort of 80% of the way there. He is a manager that has got something. Like, he is on to something with his style of play. I I truly think, I wrote this when he left, that the the club that gets him next will be lucky to have him because, but they'll only be lucky to have him if he adapts. And the way Callum Robinson and Carlin Grant are linking up, the way Taylor Gunn-Hickman's playing in central midfield alongside Livermore and Moet, how much better do Livermore and Moet look recently with three in the middle of the park? The way Jordan Hugel's scoring goals, playing in a front two for Cardiff, (laughs) And he is scoring goals. Well, let's be honest; he couldn't hit a barn door for us.
0: He bagged again last night, he didn't he?
1: Scored again last night, and all those things just to me show that Ishmael's stubbornness are wrong, and that's sort of the sort of the, the frustration really with him. And That's why I call him an idiot because I just want to shake him and say, "Wow, come on, mate! Like you're so close to something here, like you really are, but you've got to be a bit more flexible." But look, this podcast isn't about Ishmael anymore. He, he went absolute yonks ago, but. Bruce deserves a lot of credit for <clears throat> the way he set them up, for the way they pressed, the timing of the press. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. But well, that's that's where my frustration came from. More, more at Ishmael really um, than the players. Um, who, I think the reason for their struggles, and I've said this all the way along, is, is, is it has been confidence. I don't. I really don't think it's a group of bad apples. I really, I really think they are a good bunch of lads by and large, the vast majority of them. Um, but a footballer of confidence is a, is a mile away from one who isn't. And they needed that comfortable win at Hull. They needed that comeback against Huddersfield. And I think now they're starting to get back to their true capabilities because of it. If you're
0: listening, Val, we didn't call you an idiot. Those we know are what the you mean. We're we're not with, ex- not the Express and in... Star or Johnny Jury. I'm, I'm, so <laughs> I'm saying it was a smile
1: on my face. I'm saying want like, I want to sh- just like... <laughs> I just want—I want to go for a cup of tea with him and say, "Like, come on, like."
0: <laughs> oh, that would make a great podcast. I uh, get the
1: data, mate, but l- look at your eyes, like, like look at what they're doing. Like, you've got surely.
0: We've got to set that up. <clears>
1: throat>
0: Joe, throat> Joe Val in Germany having a cup of tea with a, a with a stats board, with a stats board, and a tactics
1: board, yeah. and clips yeah. of Alcalde Robinson and Carl and Grant have linked up <laughs> since he's left.
0: Leave yeah. it with me. We're getting guests on in the summer. I'll try. A, I'll try Big Val. Um... There we go. We'll just—we're already twenty-one minutes in, and we've got so much more to talk about. Um, just one of the one of the sort of observation, Joe. Albin had really good chances in that first half, and it almost got to half time, And you sort of half thought you might have blown this a little bit. Luckily, they didn't in the end. But just lacked that bit of cutting edge in front of goal, which hopefully we'll come on to him later. Hopefully, Daryl D. K. might be able to provide in the running.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, me, it's going it, to be look the the Robinson Grant thing is. It's, it's like a very it's such a massive positive, and it means that deka doesn't have to be rushed, in my opinion. Which he would he have been rushed? I don't know. I don't probably not um, this time around. I don't think. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, obviously massive boost. we he, he could be on the bench on Bristol City on Saturday. But even if he is on the bench, then we think he's going to get like five minutes. It's more like uh, to integrate him back into the first team, like to a match day, really. But yeah, sixty minutes at least on Monday against Nottingham Forest, which will. Yeah, and look, it's, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be massive for us. I really, really do. So amazing, isn't it? The good news keeps coming, mate.
0: The good news does keep coming. Just two more points on Fulham. Um, the back line was solid under Val. Bruce coming. It looked a little bit wobbly as he chopped and changed and tried to find his his system. But they looked pretty against the the league's most potent attack. They looked pretty solid on on Tuesday, which is a massive positive. You know, we spoke about Jai. Clark's looked good in the last couple of games. Again, he's come back into form. Um, they're looking, they're looking good at the back again.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I do think Clark has been absolutely brilliant um, for three games now. Starting pretty. Look, I got to be honest. I think he's been great all season. I think he dipped after he had COVID, didn't he? Um, and he wasn't quite the same player for about a month for six weeks, maybe after having COVID, which probably was the same for Connor Townsend as well. Um, but I really like Mike, Matt Clark as a defender, I think I, it's, it's weird because I really, really like Shemi Ajai as well, um, and I've sort of championed him to play all season really, Ajai plays every single week for me, he should never have been out of a team at the start of the season, I, I found it baffling, um, but I said on the video, and this is I don't mean to be critical of Shemi Ajai, but sometimes his athleticism, which is obviously a huge tool and allows you to play a high line, but sometimes it gets him out of trouble. Um, Whereas Clark, it feels like, is always a second ahead. Um, how he reads the game is just superb. He's, he's classy. He's classy, calm, and composed. Um, I think he's top drawer, I do. I'd, I
0: really, really hope we sign him in the summer. Classy, calm, and composed Clark. That, that's where we'll sort of wrap up the, the Fulham chat. Well, there will be more Fulham chats. We've got absolutely mountains of questions. It's almost like every Albion fan's wanted to get their two pence worth in today. Um, so we'll come on to them shortly. Just a few other talking points, Joe. Like we said there, DK potentially going to see him on the bench at Bristol City. Looks like he's going to get a run out for the 23s definitely on Monday. He's not far away by the sound of things.
1: No, oh, no, no. I think it, I think it's important because we've got the national break, haven't we, after Bristol City. So I think it's good for him to get a couple of the 23s games first. But yeah, um, at the Hawthorns on Monday night, mate, right? I'm going to go um, to see. Yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. mate. It's going to be nice just to see him again, isn't it? I mean, he... he he did make an explosive start, really, um, and uh, yeah, it was just such a shame he picked up that injury. Who knows if he hadn't, where Albion would be now? I still think that's one of the the big turning points of the season.
0: Yeah, he still got you know if he comes back and, and shows what he showed in that first fifty-five minutes against Peterborough, then um, we could be in for a, a very good end to the season. Just on the uh, the other injury. Um, at the moment Matty Phillips any any updates on him Joe at the moment or are we still waiting for his return
1: apparently he's going to play on Monday as well um, yeah he's going to get some minutes in that in that under 23s game um, so yeah numbers coming back which is a good thing um, where Matty Phillips fits in a three 5 2 I'm not quite sure but Bruce will ch- change things up so obviously good to have everyone back
0: yeah squad depth going into them Final nine games of the season, and just finally, Joe, we we spoke about this briefly, didn't we, the other day? Um, we're hearing that there's going to be another visit from Gouch and Lai the uh, West Brom majority shareholder, not owner, majority shareholder, um, potentially in the in the coming weeks or months. Do we know much more about that?
1: Um, yes, yeah, he's coming in the next couple of weeks. I can't remember when off the top of my head. I've got it. I've got it on one in quotes somewhere um, from when we sat down and wronged the other week. But yeah, he is coming soon. <laughs> Which is obviously really, really good. Um I can't remember the exact I can't I don't think I don't think we I don't think we know the exact game he's coming to. No. Uh but what it does show is look, he's obviously he's up he's up the ante. Um he's back involved, he's obviously chairman now. He came a couple of I don't know if it was what, six weeks ago now whenever he came. It was probably longer than that, wasn't it? But it was just before we got DK. Yeah. Um Came for that surprise visit, came to a game, he's coming back. There's no doubt he's more hands-on. Ron Gorlo made that clear um, in the meeting that we had with him on that Monday that A, Lai understands that he needs to be more hands-on, he needs to play a much more significant role if he's going to get Albion back to where they were when he bought them, um, which was basically mid-table Premier League, and we're now mid-table championship, we've dropped an entire division. Um, And yeah, Ron Gorlo told him he has to be, like you need a visible owner and there's no like it's just it's just an absolute it's just awful when you have an absolute which is awful isn't it when we've been through what we've been through with lie the suspicion the intrigue everything that goes with it all that has got to end and i think that will that all the signs are that will end now we've got a ceo who's going to talk and obviously speaks to lie on a daily weekly basis we've got lie himself coming to games um
0: we're so, we yeah, expecting this possibly. to be a more regular occurrence now, Yeah, yeah, he'll be coming. Or?
1: Look, at the end of the day, he's a busy man who, who lives in China, so he, he's not. He's probably not going to hit double figures um, for games in the season, um, but hopefully, he won't be far off. Um, I think he potentially he's coming to two games when he comes next time. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be. He will be. You'd like to think, sort of, every three months or so, he will be at a game or two. Um, but he's certainly a lot more hands-on in terms of now with Ron Gourlay and how much is speaking to him and the board and what's going on day to day.
0: Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the black country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sanwell Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book on to the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionathart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place, or, alternatively, you can call 01902 553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today by visiting adoptionatheart.org.uk. Right, questions, as we said. We've got an absolute mountain of them. Joe's been preparing. He's ready to go. I'll give you the answers. <laughs> I don't know just just added that for dramatic effect really um, and he's ready to answer your questions um first one Jack Ormrod um probably quite timely because we've just been talking about this player how much do you think Matt Clark would cost to sign permanently in the summer joe what's the what's the situation with him I know there's a sort of deal to buy Jason Malumba in the summer what is that is there a similar um, agreement in place with Clark? Have you played no, a certain amount of games? No, there
1: isn't. Um, I think from what we gather, he's very much on loan. Um, it's just a straight loan, That's what we understand, uh, for Matt Clark. Um, so, how much would he cost? It's a very, very interesting question. So, he's never played for Brighton, even though he's been there for multiple years. Um, he's been sent out on loan every season. He's been there. Um, is his as much as I think he's very very good I think he'll be in the championship next season probably unless we were to go up um, which I think we all still think is highly unlikely Um, I don't know I don't know what he'd cost really like a million and a half maybe he's going to be out of contract the following year so when at the point where Albion say would be signing him he'd only have 12 months left on his deal a mil? a million and a half? how much do you think he's worth?
0: I hard to say, really. What have we got? We've got Shemi Ajay for a mil, mil and a half, didn't we? you would probably put them in the same ballpark. But prices are inflated these days, aren't they? They probably want more than that, I'd have thought. Whether that's how so much they'll have to pay, I don't know. But from what we've seen this season, I think Albion probably be willing to pay a couple of million for him.
1: What I would say is, the issue that Clark might have in terms of an Albion return is just how top-heavy the squad is with centre-backs. I think... Don't get me wrong. Bruce likes three-five-two. He's made absolutely the right decision for him to change to a back three for the last in the last couple of weeks. But he's not gonna he's not he's not gonna be three-five-two every week. He will change. He will make changes to the system if he if he sees fit, and he'll happily go four-three-three or something along that like that. So there is an issue, Albion, that we've got we've basically got seven centre backs because Caleb Taylor, bless him. He's pretty much ready to play. Like he's, he 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 is the for me. He is the.
0: He's the next one off the production line, almost isn't he? Yeah, it?
1: he's the next one off the production line. He is the the under twenty three to be most excited about. I would say, um, if you now classify, like Gardner Hickman as a, he's a first teamer now, isn't he? Like he's like be our best player. Um, but yeah, so I think. That's the issue Albion have got there in that they're going to have Key and Bryan back in the summer. They've still got Cedric Kipra, Carl Bartley, Shami Ajayi, Dara O'Shea, Caleb Taylor. It's a, they've got a lot of very good centre-backs, which is what the squad was built for that because Ishmael was going to play 3-5-2 every week. Um, and look, if, Jake Livermore can do a job there if needs be. So it's not... That would be my only worry with Matt Clark. Is do we, as much as it, I th- I mean, I do think he's absolute, I'd love him to come back, but do we actually, if, if we need to freshen this squad up in the summer, which we do, do we want to spend that money on another centre back, even though he is a very, very good one?
0: Yeah, that's um, interesting.
1: That would be my only thing with Clark, and which is a shame, really, because if you're picking on ability, like you definitely keep him and get rid of a few
0: of the others. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I hope that answers your uh, your question. That's our first one. Second one, we had a quite a few on this. We had a few last week. Um, John Sim- Simonian. Um, what's the latest with Reyes Cleary's contract situation and signing a new deal? Now, we know there's been a lot of fanfare about Reyes Cleary. In the under-23s, he scored a lot of goals. Um, we have spoke about, you know, fans are saying, get him in the first team, get him in the first team. There is a massive gap to the first team. But I suppose anyone who's scoring a lot of goals, you know, with Albion having lost a lot of youth, good youth talent in recent years, it's going to attract a bit of attention. Do we know anything around this, Joe, about a potential new contract?
1: It's difficult to talk about, because what we say will be probably ripped off by five clickbait sites, or yeah. like basically claiming that I know the latest on Reyes Cleary, which just probably isn't true, if I'm honest. Like, but but what, what look, the, the, what I'm hearing isn't positive, but that doesn't mean I've heard anything concrete either way. So, the, about a couple of months ago, it look, it looked likely he would sign. There was there's a lot of there's just about like from in and around him and a few whispers going around that actually he was quite close to signing this deal at the Albion. That was a couple of months ago now, um, and since then it's gone. It's the opposite has happened. There's a few sort of whispers going around that he isn't going to sign and he's going to go. Um, to, one of, to a big boy basically um, so look the gods on truth is I do not know and I want to make that clear like, I'm hearing, I've heard whispers that he's staying he didn't stay I've heard whispers that he's now going he hasn't gone anywhere yet um, but he hasn't signed a deal as of yet so you can't help but fear he will be off Ray's clearing is a really interesting one um, look he smashed him in for under 23s I still don't think he's anywhere near first team level as it stands, as it stands, I'm not saying he won't be in two years, three years, he could be absolutely exceptional. Um, and by the interest he's got in him from a lot of the clubs, and perhaps he will be, so Albion desperately want to keep him. But
0: that's the dilemma, isn't it? Almost like for the player, if, the, if what we're hearing is true, these big clubs are monitoring him and are going to come in and offer him mega bucks to go and play for a big side. If he probably stays at Albion for two or three years, it probably ages career more because he will end up in the first team, won't he? Whereas we've seen in the past players, one off the top of my head, Izzy Bryan left West Brom. He was, you know, he was the next star for Albion. He left, you know, his, he's had a good career at Championship level. He's played, but he's played for a lot of clubs, and he sat in Chelsea's under twenty threes for the best part of six years. Yeah, and so this is it's, like... it's, it's, it's a, it's, it is an interesting debate, isn't it? But you can see why a player who's Attracting attention would want to go to one of them clubs, I suppose. If the clubs he's been linked to, if it is correct,
1: yeah. And I think I just that needs to like I've just cause I've been I need to make this point because I think I don't think we discussed it on the last podcast. I think we did mention it on video, but maybe not on the podcast. But that's why this football board that Ron Gourlay has chosen to go with for Albion's recruitment is so important. And Reyes Cleary is kind of like an, a good case study in the sense that. Richard Stevens, the academy manager, is on the football board at Albion. So he will be, at any meeting where they talk about new recruits, he will be one of the people there. Now, Richard Stevens, I'd imagine, I'm not 100% sure, but he won't be able to veto a signing. I think this is what people are worried about. They're worried that if you get a committee of eight people sat round a table, they'll end up signing nobody because someone will always say... No, actually I don't think he's that good and that but it does this this football committee is not gonna work like that. Not everyone has got a veto. And the only people that truly sign players will be Steve Bruce, um, the manager, the head of football operations, if Albin get one, which is what Ron Gorley has said they he expects them to fill that post. And Ian Pierce. So he's basically Chief Scout. He's got the title head of recruitment, but I think for everyone's better understanding, his his actual job is Chief Scout, that I think that gives a better um, understanding of actually what his job is um, so yeah but for example at that meeting say Steve Bruce might say there's a lad at Newcastle just, we'll just make up a name um, Johnny Massey yeah he's 17 Great years player. old Culture, cultured left footed player rapid <laughs> knows whether that is centre forward 17 years old Steve Bruce had a phone call from Johnny Massey's dad fed up in Newcastle wants to move wants to leave Love Steve Bruce, would love to come and join him at West Brom. Now, Bruce would go to that meet and say this, and someone like Rich Stevens would go, well, actually, a 17-year-old striker is not what we need to be looking at. We've got this lad, Reyes Cleary. I think he's 18 months away from being in the first team or two years away from being in the first team. What we cannot do is block his pathway. Yeah. Because if we do, there's every chance he will go somewhere else and then in terms of say for example Reyes Cleary Richard Stevens could then go look we were looking at this lab we've not signed him because we don't want to block your pathway we see you in the first team blah 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 and that's what the football board is it's not going to be um, it's not going to be people just putting their hand up and going no we're not signing him we're not signing him we're not signing him the people who are signing the, the, the players who have the final say on players coming in they're going to be the same people that always basically have them it's going to be the manager the chief scout, head of football operations, as and when they come in, there's not, there's not really going to be any change there, but what they are doing at Albion is, it's a think tank, um, and it's getting more opinions together, and it's getting more sort of, it's it's integrating all the departments together, um, which from what we gather from Rangole, and it seems a very, very fair assumption, um, not assumption, but it seems true, is that for the past X amount of years, particularly when Luke Dowling, sort there's Luke Dowling Southern Village time, that, Everything was done by a technical director and the manager. Um, and there wasn't basically if they wanted a player, they went and got them. Um, and it's a lot on two people and it's not a lot of safety net there really, a lot of scrutiny. Um, and maybe if there had been, some of the signings that Albion have made in the last couple of years wouldn't have happened. So yeah, I think the football board is a is a good way forward. Um and that's a, like clearly would be an example for it. You'd imagine Albion are currently not in the market for a 17 year old striker because hopefully he'll stay and they've got a real good one on their books. But we are hearing big clubs are in for him, so we're just going to have to see what happens there.
0: There you go. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, just a, a little funny one here from Paddy WBA Is it best to travel to Wembley the night before the game or get the train down on the day? Um, I'll answer that in a couple of weeks for you, Paddy. I think we just need to just calm down. Even though we're getting excited, this will just this will just calm down a little bit. A um, couple of questions on how DK's return will will impact Grant the Grant Robinson strike partnership. Do you think it'll be a positive or negative effect? I think it can only be positive if you've got more, more. Um, what's the word? More, more, more options for Bruce to to use. I don't know what you think, Joe. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think so many things to say on that one. Look. <laughs> Calum Robinson and Carlin Grant have played really well for three games. Let's not get carried away by them. I mean, they didn't—they weren't that great in the three months before that. Uh, I'm not knocking them because they have done brilliantly in the last, in, and I like them both. But let's not—like, we can't. We're not like we're not going to go right. This is it now for the next three years. We're going to play Carlin Grant and Calum Robinson yeah. up front because they've had a good. They've had three good. Well, let's be honest. They played well against Hull and they played well against Fulham. And I mean, no one was that great for 80 minutes against Huddersfield. So let's—I don't think we should be getting carried away. Um, personally, I think Daryl Dk is the exceptional striker in the squad. Um, I think he will be ultimately proved to be the best centre forward in the squad. So you play your best players, um, and I think, like I said earlier, Bruce is not going to be—he's not Val. He's not going to play the same formation every single week. There will come a time when we saw you—you you have to change formations every now and again. You get found out. The three-five-two we're, we're doing so well in at the minute. In in a, give it four or five weeks and maybe opposition teams will come up with a way to nullify that to to, to be to sort of shackle its threat. So there will come with, like like in the Slaven Bilic season when we were playing four two three one every week until we got to sort of January and then we went four three three. Sometimes you have to change. Um, and DK will obviously maybe we will go back to a four three three or whatever. Different, different formation, but four-two-three-one. But I think if that, if that is the system, if we are playing sort of one central striker, you definitely want DK doing it. Um, yeah, it's only it's only it's only good news um, that he's back or coming back.
0: There we go. We've had a few questions like that. We've had one from Sunil Patel. It's the same question, but he's just started by saying are Grant and Robinson, the new Son and Kane. I don't <laughs> quite don't quite think so. He does. He does. Explain after that it was a joke, but
1: um, I hope they but, yeah. are. Like I, I really hope they are, and this is this is I really, really do. But um, yeah, I think it's I feel like I'm being really harsh on both of them because they have done very, very well. But the striker I'm most excited about in Albion's squad is still Daryl DK. Yeah, yeah, he's the one that I can't wait to be up and running because I just think his
0: potential is absolutely frightening. Yeah, well it won't be long before we see him. Uh Dan Nash has got in touch, twenty seven points left to play for. Realistically, how many of those do Albion need to reach the playoffs? Do you sense that Bruce do you sorry, do you sense from Bruce that he believes promotion is still genuinely possible? Now, obviously one for you to answer, Joe. I don't really have much interaction with the baggy's boss, but uh first part of the question, how many of them twenty seven do you realistically think Albion need to, to reach the playoffs?
1: It's normally something like 75, isn't it? Um, I think Bruce said 72. He said in the presser recently. Is that right? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, I think Bruce believes they can do it. Yeah, I think he's always he's always believed that this team is capable of going on a run. Um, and we're on, we've started a run. We're on a mini run. I think a win at Hull, a win over Fulham and a draw against third place Huddersfield is, is a run. Like run beating in three good results in those games. We have turned the corner. and I'm pretty confident of that. Um, I don't know how many points you're going to need. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many wins you're going to need. There's so much football still to be played. There's so many teams still in the mix. Um, everyone's going to take points off everyone else. I look at it and think, What well, I think what's really, this sounds a bit weird, but I feel, I feel like there's absolutely so many teams who are desperate to finish sixth. Like, there's not... No one is, like... If you'd said at the start of the season, Huddersfield, during to finish in the playoffs, they'd bite your hand off. Same for Blackburn, same for Luton, same for QPR. That Those teams in there at this moment in time, no one would really expect them to be in there at this stage. Um, Blackburn. I feel like they're all looking over their shoulders still. I feel like even though they've had great years... They're all looking over their shoulders and they're all gonna be nervous about finishing in that top six because it is a massive achievement for any of them to do it. It's still a real achievement even the season had to sort of bad, it's still a real achievement for them to finish in the top six. So I think the pressure's gonna come on them, all of those teams, the longer that goes in and the closer they get to the to the end of the season. I think there's gonna be I think they're all gonna drop points. The question is, can we capitalize the, the one thing you have to say about this group of players, not the one thing, but what has been said about this group of players a lot in the past is that they do not cope well with pressure. So, in the Premier League, as soon as they got a sniff of safety, that was it. They, they, they played well when, when all hope was lost, really. We beat Chelsea when all hope was lost. Did anyone... I mean, I never in a million years thought we were going to beat Fuller on Tuesday. I truly went to the game thinking we were going to get thrashed. But we won. So the pressure wasn't on, was it? Like The pressure was off. There was no expectancy on Albion's players um, in that game. There wasn't, there was, the pressure was on post-lockdown when they had to get over the line and just about yeah. did it. So really interesting move by Bruce. Because Bruce will know that. Bruce will be well aware of that. So really interesting move from him to basically start his post-Fulham press conference by saying, we need to win at Bristol City. Yeah. Like, he basically started it that way. Rather than... I mean, of course, he talked about how well they played, but he was like, yeah, we played really, really well. We've got to win at Bristol City. I'm putting the pressure on. He said, I'm putting the pressure on us. So, interesting move from him. Because yeah. that is the one, like, you have to say in the past, have these players truly responded when the pressure was on and, and they haven't really so yeah a lot a lot there's basically 10 games to go i know it's nine games to go but there is a long way to go i I think a lot of clubs above us are going to get real jittery i don't know how many points exactly gonna need but if we can win at bristol city on saturday and the race is on because April is crazy. It's literally Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday.
0: Madness. Madness. Um,
1: so April's going to decide it all for everyone, really.
0: The so, baggage broadcast days are going to be all over the we're place be in all April. all over the shop, mate. I think uh, it's Ronnie who gets in touch when it's yeah. not on a Tuesday. I think <laughs> Ronnie's head's going to fall yeah, off in April. He didn't like it,
1: mate. He didn't like it when we're not on that <laughs> Sorry, Saturday. Ronnie. But yeah, we're going to be all over the shop. But just really hope we can win at Bristol City because if we do. <laughs> April that 10 days I mean it's going to be a long 10 days for us I think because there's not going to be a lot going on but
0: we're going to be bouncing off the ceiling in the car on the way home it, going to be, land, it yeah.
1: sets it up for a really exciting April really
0: exciting yeah just uh, well we've got we still got loads of questions but just a few more um, we've touched on the football board but Steve Knievel's got in touch what do we know the timelines for creating the new football board has Ron Gore-Lay scheduled any more press fan updates they just put talk is cheap need to follow it with actions thanks guys um what's your uh your view on that joe uh, do we know any more about sort of timelines anyone else going on the board or any more interactions
1: so yeah so i'll just take it so that tweet this is why you got this is why our job is tricky i think because you've got to be so careful with what you say like every time we write an article we've got to be careful what you say because if you don't get your wording right people pull you up on it and unfortunately i'm going to pull Stephen up on the wording of his tweet and uh, a fair few tweets people sent this and it's it's the talk is cheap line that I don't like. Because um, I, I disagree completely. I, I completely agree that actions speak louder than words. Um, and I think that's what, in hindsight, people should be saying rather than throwing around the sort of the talk is cheap thing. I think we can all agree that actions speak louder than words. I think we can all agree that... I think Ron Gourlay has said some impressive things since he's come in. Um, but I think the jury's massively out. We all know his time at Reading was a really... It was a big disappointment, so... Ron Gourlay is going to be judged on what he does at Albion over the next few months, and hopefully for years to come. But the the jury's out, and we're all waiting. We're all waiting to see the improvements he's promised. But to say talk is cheap, I think, is really harsh on Ron Gourlay based on the sense that we haven't had any communication from Albion's CEO since Mark Jenkins um, left. So, and I think that was with me. Like I did a farewell piece with Mark Jenkins, where I sat down with him. And we talked about a whole host of issues. And that was a long, long time ago. And then basically since then, the media never sat down down with Albion's CEO. Um, They basically, I had one meeting with Ken um, and that was it. There was a few fans had meetings with him. Um, S4A, shareholders for Albion, they had regular meetings with him in fairness. Um, But he was never put, he never, he always refused to speak to the press. If you think back to Larry Nishma's unveiling, he was basically sat, at the table on his own. Um he did have the, the director of communications with him, but there was no there was no CEO next to him, which obviously of course when you see when Steve Bruce was unveiled, Gourlay was sat beside him and that's the way it should be. Um so look, Ron Gawley, actions have got to sp- actions do speak louder than words, but the fact that Gourlay was willing to sit that Albion plans Albion fans deserve communication, they deserve to hear from their football club. Talk is not cheap. Like no one listening to this Every Albion fan deserves to hear from their club, like so. The fact that Rongeole was willing to sit down with the media to be, we had him for an hour and a half, and look, he was he was grilled. Like he, he, there was nothing off limits. He was asked absolutely everything, um, and the fact that he's willing to answer these questions and publicly state what he's going to do to improve things, I think is a massive, massive step forward. He's he is now there to be sort of not shot at, if you like, but. He has said he will fix these problems. He has said, like, we what he is trying to do to put out to get Albion what, where he thinks is back on track. He 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 firmly believes that the mess we were in a couple of months ago was a long time coming. He he believes it was. He just he just doesn't believe things have been run right behind the scenes for a very long time. Um, so I don't think talk is cheap. I think it was a really positive step that he was willing to sit down and talk to the press, and inform fans of what he wants to do to take the club forward, and how he wants to make changes. Why these things are important, little things like the PA enhancing system, which I brought up at that meeting. I said to him, you've got a lot on your plate, but there's a couple of things you can do for easy wins. The PA system, the ticket office, and the club shop. And he actually, in the answer, he said he'd only been made aware of the PA system, of how poor it is, a couple of weeks before. um, He didn't actually realise there was an issue. He he remembered going back to sort of... When when the Astles were speaking at the Hawthorns and he, and it was absolutely fine, but with respectful silence in the ground, the PA system is fine, but th- that's very rare, isn't it? He's, normally, a football ground is a loud place. So it was actually only about a week or two before um, I met him that he said he was made aware that there was an issue with the PA system. He was like, right, we're going to get it fixed. Like, we're gonna, that's going to be something we're going to get fixed. We're going to get. And I think, with Roncalli, you've got. I don't, I'm not going to say let's write off this season with him, but let's give him. Let's give him six months but to, to real fix issues um, and get things going in the right direction. There is no magic wand. like There just isn't. And from the way he talks, he thinks there's a lot of, is- a lot of things that haven't been done right at Albion. Um, but I think the fact that he's willing to publicly acknowledge them, talk about them and say he's willing to correct them is a very, very important step forward. In terms of the football board, the first meeting's already taken place. We did that story last week, I think. Um, um, Steve Bruce said that it was very much based on looking at free agents, Bosmans. Um, I don't think Albany's going to have an awful lot of money to spend in the summer. That's not a surprise. The parachute payments in the second year, they're going to be they're cut. I think they're cut by about 20 million quid, but don't quote me on that. I'll have to check how much they go down for for the second year, but... No one's going to spend vast sums of money in the, in the championship you wouldn't afford, bar maybe the clubs who do come down. So you, you've got to be ahead of the game in terms of free agents and who come available. Um, and that's what that first meeting was very much about, Bruce said. Um, looking at the players and who are out of contract this summer, who can improve them and making a plan ready to get out and watch them in the last 10 games of this season. Um, so yeah, there's a... Yeah, football board very much in place. Bar the head of football operations, which um, Gourlay said they'll probably have to recruit for. Out be and that person he said will probably be at another club already. Um, so that will take time, notice periods, bits and bobs like that. But the the ninety percent of the board is in place, if you like, yeah. and active and working and making plans for next season, whatever division Albion are in. Um, they have to plan for both um,
0: outcomes. There you go, Steve O'Kanev. Hopefully, hope that answers your question. I'm going to pick three more because we're pressed for time. Um, Aaron just says likely to have playoffs as a percentage in your opinion. Quick fire answer, Joe.
1: Forty percent. Forty percent. Nah, thirty five percent. What are you saying?
0: Thirty three. No, not. Before I took the job, I said West Brom are 90% going to get automatic promotions, so don't listen to what I'm going to say.
1: Go on, what are you saying? I want to know what you're saying.
0: Uh, They'll be in that ballpark 30-40%. <laughs> He's
1: taking the easy way out.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting on the fence from now on, I'm not sticking my neck out anymore. Uh, there you go. Jack Griffiths. Um, we had a few questions on this. Sam Johnson. Um, we, someone pointed out that obviously David Button wasn't on the bench on Tuesday night. Uh, Alex Palmer was. Did it, any, could that be a potential indication for next season, Joe? Obviously, we're going to lose lose Johnston. Well, we're presuming we're going to lose him because he's out of contract.
1: No, I need to ask Steve Bruce about that on Friday, um, tomorrow. Unfortunately, we didn't ask after the game. Um, yeah, I missed the presser, basically. I was late. Like, because of deadlines, because I was working, because uh, we've got stupid deadlines now for back pages for the following day. But unfortunately, he was really early. Um, he was early, I was late, and it ended up being a disaster. Palmer was on my list of questions to ask, um, but unfortunately I didn't make it. So, But there's always another chance. There's always another game around the corner, mate, as I say in football. Um, so yeah, nine o'clock tomorrow morning, Steve Bruce um, will be up again. And
0: we'll ask him about Alex Palmer tomorrow. There we go. Uh, one more question. We've got quite a few. I'm just trying to go through them now and just pick out a question that we haven't already answered before. Um, someone's asked how much Taylor Garden Hickman might fetch in the summer. We're not. We don't want to see him being sold. Um, let's have a quick look. Let's have a quick look. Up. We'll finish on this one. Daniel Tudge he sends in a few questions. How do West Brom continue keeping up this team spirit and confidence? Old school paintballing or go karting, or is there a more modern version of team bonding? Uh, <laughs> on the spot Joe
1: I think he's just winning games isn't it but Steve Bruce does like a little trip you sound away, like a manager then I know but like, you sound like a manager it. god if paintballing would fix our problems we would have done it six weeks eight weeks ago wouldn't we but um, yeah uh, Steve Bruce is a manager that likes a little break I think in the summer he likes I wouldn't be surprised if Abbey went somewhere nice and hot in pre-season
0: he'd take him all to watch the cricket in the Caribbean yeah
1: he'd love all that wouldn't he yeah he'd love yeah. that yeah so, yeah, expect that. Yeah, that like wasn't that was a manager's
0: that, that was a manager's cliche answer. You'll be saying, "What did we say after the game?" The other day, it's a funny old game, football. Isn't it's a funny it? old game,
1: mate. It's a funny old
0: a, game. That's my favourite football cliche. That. It's a funny old game. Uh, thanks for your questions, Albion fans. I know there's a, there's quite a few more in there, but we are approaching the hour mark now, and we've still got to talk about Bristol City. But thanks for your thanks for your questions. Do get in touch again next week. Um, Bristol Saturday, Joe. We've spoken about Steve Bruce putting the pressure on, which was quite surprising. Um, Bristol are down there in the bottom half. Where you know where where are their dangers going to come from on Saturday? Obviously, Albion will be probably the favourites going into it. But where do you see Bristol's danger men coming from, or where are they going to look dangerous?
1: Um, see, there. This is a game that on paper. You think they've got very little to play for. Bristol City. They're definitely not going down. They're not going up. There's not many teams you can say that about. Worryingly, probably the last team we played you could say that about was Swansea. Um, they obviously beat us quite comfortably. Um, but, yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? Because the pressure is on, based on Bruce's comments, really. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I mean, look, I, I don't know. Look, they've got Andreas Feynman, haven't they? It's interesting. Nigel Pearson's there as a manager, obviously. Fast experience. Albion connection. Did a very good job at Leicester. It feels like Bristol City are a club that no one can really get going. Like... They never managed to achieve what they actually set out to achieve, which is finishing the playoffs every year. They got close under Lee Johnson a couple of times, didn't they? But never quite seemed to
0: be able to do it. They may be men almost a little bit, aren't they? Yeah,
1: a little bit, yeah. Um,
0: also ran. I the, think, that's a good Cheltenham pun for you. I think the they've had an time,
1: interesting man. season because... Pearson was playing actual free up top, as in like three central strikers, not wide men. Like, literally three centre-forwards at one stage. Um, Which you don't see anymore. Like, you don't... And that sort of kicked them into gear not so long ago and they went on a bit of a run. But he's gone back to 3-5-2 now. Um, So, yeah. Look, there's no one in their squad that really... I really like the goalkeeper, Bentley. Um, He he has got a rick in him, to be fair. But he's a good player. Um... Vyman but he's playing at wing back full and Vyman is. <laughs> he has been. Um but he's got seventeen goals this season, which is remarkable really. But thirty, Chris Martin up front with him, thirty-three. They've got this youngster, Semenio. Um he's got six goals. He looks a talent, I've not seen much of him, but he looks a good player. But like, what we say about it, we say it so often in the championship, there's no one on their there's no one on their team sheet that puts any fear into you really, like there's no... This shouldn't be... When you look at... You would never swap, swap their squad for ours. Like, it, we have, we should have superior players, really, all over the park. Um, looks like they have gone 3-5-2 recently. We're going to play the same team, aren't we? Same team, same formation. You would have thought so. Um, so, match them up, man for man. I like to think we've got better player in virtually every position. Um, in my mind, we should win the game. Um... A nice little 2 0 similar to Hull. Uh,
0: there we go. There we go. Get, your, get your betting accounts open and get that one on. Joe has spoken. Have you got any? Uh, well, you're looking forward to your trip to Ashton Gate, Joe. Have you got any good? Get any fond memories of previous previous
1: visits? I've actually, because there's no park in Ashton Gate. So there's a little cricket club nearby. Going there for a pretty much pint.
0: Oh, nice. You haven't told me about this. I, I told I'd, you about I, it. Oh, you didn't tell me about the pint. Oh, what do you think we did? Didn't play cricket. Oh, did I, just we'd park. I just thought we part. I just thought we part there. Oh no, What's going different? for a beer, mate oh well I'm driving I, I wish I wouldn't have offered to drive no oh you'd be alright you can have one <laughs> on. we'll get there for 12 o'clock <laughs> oh I'm excited now I'm really excited we um, back in
1: the car till
0: 7 yeah I know yeah be a late one late one getting home but um, but there we go hopefully Albion can keep it can keep it going hopefully they'll be rocking at full time at Ashton Gate and it won't be the Robins that are rocking Um, thank you very much for listening to this latest episode of the Baggies Broadcast thanks for your questions as ever uh, well done to Clint fan of the week Um, or number two fan of the week um for once on the pod and, and and with albion things are looking up if we do win on saturday i really don't know i'm going to keep joe calm he was very excited after fulham he's going to be bouncing off the off the windows and the roof of the car if we uh if we do get a win as well yeah. saturday as well well hopefully i'm not because are be we driving we'll be we'll be in trouble if i'm doing that um but yeah hopefully Alby can get another win and you know maybe just maybe they're uh they're going to be right back in the playoff picture. But enjoy the rest of your week, baggage fans. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your trip to Bristol. And until next time, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye.